Welcome back, fourth and long fans. It's your 40 correspondent coach Donnie Hess here back with another off-season supporter series chat. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I told you I'm trying to find some state league side. So today I have another awesome guest talking to me about a state league side. Let's hop onto it. Rick, thank you for joining me, sir. Appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Hey, Donnie, how you doing, mate? Great, great to be on board. Awesome. Talk about awesome. Um, the waffle and, and my team's fun districts. Awesome. Awesome. Let's let's before we get started into the footy, I know this is a footy podcast, but I like knowing just the tiniest bit about the person that I'm talking to outside of the game of footy. So just a real quick about yourself outside of the game of football. Yeah, mate. So I'm um, married. I'm, I'm just coming up to my 50th, 50th birthday this year and I've got two beautiful daughters, uh, 20 and 17. Uh, it's got a big year coming up with a couple of 50s and 21st and an 18th. Um, I work for a software company as a, as a training manager um, and do a bit of spare time building websites and stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about um, during the day. <laughs> Fantastic. We will definitely, we will definitely talk about that a little bit later, but let's stay on the footy. That's why we're here. We want to talk footy. So I'm going to ask you, sir, as a footy fan, what is your favorite thing about the sport of football? Yeah, for me, it's just, you know, having something to, to cheer about on a weekend and spend some time with, I go to the football with my dad. So it's a great, you know, father son sort of time that we get to have together. He's in his mid seventies now. I love doing that. Being in a crowd supporting with, you know, other, other supporters cheering, just watching players, um, you know, through throughout the ages and the skills that they have, you know, guys can be five foot eight or six foot 10. Um, it's a game guess for everybody, uh, players of different sizes, um, boys, girls, Men, women, um, you know, kids with um, disabilities, intellectual disabilities, and stuff like that. Um, anyway, it's a great game that anybody can play. I just love watching it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic, especially especially when you have a, a, a sport that anybody can play at any time. It's absolutely fantastic. Let, let's jump back in the time machine just a little bit. I want you to dive back mm -hmm. into your memories. Can you remember your earliest footballing memory? Well, probably going back would be, you know, just as a little kid, just kicking the footy around the park with, you know, my dad, uh, my mates from school, kids down the road, my cousin, um, just kicking around the footy and just playing games in the house, kicking a balloon around in the house, <laughs> all those types of things, you know, that's probably the earliest things I can remember. Awesome. Awesome. So let, let's get into it. You kind of said it just a little bit for just in case somebody missed it. What's the club we are talking about and how is it that you came to support them? Yeah, so my team is Swan Districts, uh, black and white. And so you can see in the background there, got everything black and white in the background. Um, so Swan's is pretty much because of my dad, um, my uncle, my dad's um, brother-in-law, and my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, were pretty much Swan District supporters. Um, it sort of goes back, dad always tells me a story why he became a Swan District supporter. Um, the history of Swans, um, you know, they've never really been a very strong club. Coming in in 1934, they were pretty much a, a lower end of the table up until the 60s. 1961 grand final, all my dad's cousins were all East Perth supporters. They had a player called Polly Farmer. You've probably heard of him mm -hmm. running around and a few other superstars. Um, they dominated the waffle at that stage and particularly Swan Districts. And, and I think we'd won 20 out of 80 games coming to the grand final in 1961. We were rank outsiders. No one gave us a chance. Um, Dad thought, oh, well, I'm not going to go for East Perth because all of my cousins are going for East Perth. I don't have a team. I'm going to go for the, the outsider, the underdog. Swans won. And he and my grandfather have been 
well, my grandfather passed away in the eighties, but um, you know, he's been a Swan supporter now for sixty years. And when I got to an age where I could choose a team, I didn't really have an option. <laughs> I wanted to vote for Swans. I went for Swans, and and I've been a Swan supporter for forty odd years, which is awesome. Uh, that's fantastic, and I, lo- I love that the, the little fun stories like that. So, so again, it's, it's, so you say it's a family, it's a family reason. I, I got, I gotta ask this. I've heard this story before. I need to, I need to know if this is true. Are there moments where you have that moment where a parent will tell their kid, "You are going to support my team, or you're going to leave the family"? Is this myth, <laughs> or does this actually happen? Because I have heard this discussed through a few people. Is this myth, or is this sometimes true? Well, I don't know about that. You'll leave the family, but definitely there's the the case of a kid being born, and they've basically got their their parents' favorite football teams jumper on. You know, as their first their first bit of uh, clothes that they wear when they get out of, get out of hospital. Um, you know, I've definitely seen that. Um, in cases, we've got friends that probably more than the AFL supporters and maybe an Eagles and a Dockers supporter or a, um, a good mate of mine is a Western Bulldog supporter and his wife is an Eagles supporter. And it's pretty much, well, when their son was born, it was, here's a Western Bulldogs footy, here's a Western Bulldogs jumper. You're wearing this. You're not, you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it does happen. Whether they get kicked out of home if they don't, I'm not sure about that, but let sound it does sound good. <laughs> it's the it's the funny stories, and I and I appreciate it because the passion for your club. And again, it's we have so many different sporting sporting uh, teams and and all of that. So it's like it's hard sometimes to get it. You get lost in it a little bit. Like yeah. I'm a this supporter in the NFL. I'm a this supporter in the NBA. I'm a this supporter from MLB. Where it's like. With Aussie rules, I mean, really, it, it does kind of take up most of it. Yeah, you've got cricket supporters, you've got NRL supporters <laughs> occasionally, but that's really about it when it comes to big time sports. So I just, I love the passion. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I just, I absolutely love the stories. So th- the next question that I have, you, you've kind of already sprinkled in a few nuggets on this is just give me just a little quick history of Swan Districts, because again, as you said, the Waffle is one of the, if not the oldest league in all of Australia when it comes to Aussie rules. So just a little bit of history about Swans. Yeah, so um, I thought a bit about this this one. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be quick, but I'll rattle off as, as much as I can as I think of. <laughs> Depends how much you want me to talk about it. But I guess, um, so there was a precursor to Swans. It was a club called Midland Junction that had played um, during the, the early 1900s um they sort of went out of action um in sort of the mid 19 around about 1915 or so during the, the first world war um the swans came back in, in or came into the league in 1934 um as the newest out of the then there was eight clubs in the wafl at that stage and that remained eight until 1997 when peel thunder came in um, there's now 10 because of the eagles reserves um but swans were never really a successful club um, we've probably, uh, we have actually, other than Peel Thunder, got the, the worst win-loss percentage out of all the, the teams in the in the WAFL. Um, and that's because of a lot of years. They've had a lot of lean years, um, a lot of wooden spooners, a lot of times outside the finals. Um, played a couple of finals early doors in, um, the early, in the late 30s, but it wasn't until the 60s. And I mentioned that 61 grand final, which was our um, Second grand final, we played in one in 1943 um, during the Second World War where there was an underage competition. So the waffle between 1942 and 1945, because um, of obviously a lot of the players out fighting the wars, the Second World War, they had an underage competition. So the old players were under the age of 18. Um, we made the grand final in 1943 and lost. So that wasn't until 61. And then we won 
that um, premiership as the outsider in 61. They won their first three grand finals in 61, 62 and 63. Uh, another hat-trick of flags in 1980s, in 1982, 83 and 84. So our first six premierships were two hat-tricks. Um, again, in between those years, there was lots of lean years. Um, not uh, not too many other finals appearances. We were pretty much either a very good side or a very bad side <laughs> um, over history. Um, the 80s and through the early 90s was probably our success, most successful period. Um, grand final in 1980. Again, um, premierships 82, 3, 4. Another premiership in 1990. Um, and then we had another 20 years of lean results. Um, bit of financial difficulties through the 90s, which... Unfortunately, most of the Waffle Clubs have experienced from one time or another. Um, 2008, we got into a grand final um, with a very young side. So we had some players um, that would go on to have some very successful AFL careers. Um, they were all kids, 18 years old, playing a very strong Subiaco team who were at the height of their powers at that stage. Players like uh, Nick Natanui, Michael Walters, Clancy Pierce, Jeff Garlett, Todd Banfield, Chris Yaron. Heaps of others are all 18 playing in this Waffle Grand Final. Um, we got pretty well hammered on the day, um, as you would expect. Um, but then that led us to a flag in 2010 and the best game of football you'll ever witness, the 2010 Grand Final. I'm probably biased saying it's the best game because we won by one point. Maybe if we lost by one point, it would probably been the worst game of Waffle footy I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and then since 2010, again, we've sort of hobbled around mid-table and, and the bottom, uh, bottom of the ladder. Hopefully we're on the way up again. So that's um, hopefully that's a good enough explanation of the history. It's a pretty short one, but um, yeah, it was very either very successful or not so. Yeah, unfortunately, a little, little, yeah, a little bit of Jekyll of Hyde there. It's like it's all good or it's all bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. so I I forgot to put this in because because I I, I keep forgetting about it. I, I think everybody when you pay attention to the big AFL, you know the rivalries, the Collingwood Carlton's the the South Australian teams with Port and Adelaide and then the Western Australians with Fremantle and West Coast. So I, I like knowing this. What is Swan District's biggest rival and why did, Why are they? That's probably a bit of a, a, a hard one to answer. Um, in the Waffle, there's a couple of really strong rivalries in the, in the derbies, what they call when East Fremantle and South Fremantle play, mm -hmm. East Perth and West Perth. Um, our closest district rival would be Perth. Um, unfortunately, Perth... Uh, uh, have not been a successful club. They haven't been in a grand final since 1977, so a very long time. Um, but I like to say Claremont, um, only for the fact that we've got the wood over them in grand finals. Um, they tend to beat us throughout the season. They beat us in the minor finals, but come grand final day, um, we beat them in 82, 83, 1990 and 2010. So four out of our... Um, one of our eight premierships have been against Claremont in grand finals. And I dare say probably in three of those, we were outsiders. We weren't expected to win. Um, and going back to the Halcyon days in the early 80s, Claremont had a, had an awesome side. They had the Cracker Brothers, Graham Moss, Warren Ralph would kick goals for in his sleep. Uh, Steve Malaxis, they had some absolutely champion players. And the games that we used to play against them would rival any AFL game you would see these days. Um, the footy was very different back then. There was lots of scores, high high scores kicked in games. And the, the skills and the, the footy was just, it was awesome to watch. Um, and the Swans and Claremont games tend to, for me, I, I feel personally, I love beating Claremont. I love beating every team. But um, yeah, they, I think 
personally, I, I love us playing Claremont more than anybody else, usually because they beat us, but we beat them when it counts. And I think that's <laughs> the main thing from a rivalry perspective. Awesome. That is, that is fantastic. So I'm, I meant to put that in to start, to start it. My, I did West Perth and I totally, for, I totally forgot to ask and, and it felt horrible oh, later after, after that. So, so let's, let's go back to you personally. Can you remember the mm. first Swans item that you were ever given or bought? Yeah, um, probably just a, a jumper, I think. Um, I remember my, I think it was my nana had, or my auntie had knitted a, a scarf um, black and white scarf. Um, I do recall a very old Swan Districts cap, which I've still got, not the one on my head. This is probably about 10 years old, but I have one about probably early 80s, about 40 years old that I have. Um, but probably the first things that I recall, um, I don't have a lot of Swans memorabilia. I, I don't have a lot of memorabilia as such. I have all the football budget, so the programs. Um, I've got a good collection of those and a few things you can sort of see behind me up on my shelf there. But um yeah, I don't tend to have a lot of stuff that I've purchased um, over the time. Mm -hmm. No, makes sense. I, like I said, in, 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 and actually this is a great lead in because I'm one of those, I think fa fandom is a very interesting thing for me because everybody is different. No, nobody fans exactly the same, which I actually love because it, it gives you that unique thing. So I got to ask this as a, as a Swan supporter, can you describe your fandom to me for the, for, for Swans? Are you somebody that you go to every game that you possibly can? You're, you're constantly looking up information. Are you kind of casual? Like, how would you describe your fandom for Swans district? Probably a bit of a nutcase, mate. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you will get passionate. no judgment um, from me on that one. I am, I am, a, I am a Sydney Swan supporter in the AFL. And as you can, as, as many people know that pay attention to this podcast, I will talk about the swans till I'm blue in the face because I absolutely love the cub. I'm a nut. I get up at 1am. Yeah. The game is at one o'clock in the morning. So I know exactly what you mean on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I, I, yeah, pretty much go to every game I can. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I go with my dad and it's something we've been doing since 1980, going to as many swans games as we, we possibly can. Um, and yeah, I love doing that. It's been in that time with my dad. It's awesome. Unfortunately, I had two daughters that have no interest in footy, so I think they've probably been to five games because they had to come because no one's looked after them when they were little. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it, it's a bit weird, but I, I find that it affects my moods. So if we have a good win on a Saturday, you know, I'm in a good mood Saturday, Sunday, Monday, go to work and I'm in a good mood. If we lose, particularly when we're not supposed to lose or we lose badly, you know, it gets me in a bit of a bad mood. So the, my wife and my kids know whether we win or lose by the way I open the door when I come home mm. <laughs> and it's something my dad also and, and his and his dad when he was alive it sort of all affected us all you know it's it's strange sport does that to you you know if you're a passionate supporter it, it does get your emotions um, they say sport is like a religion and and you know you you what you, you ride the waves the ups and downs and um, you know for me you know, I've been been very passionate supporter. Um, you know, I've done a fair bit of um, research on the history and, and the stats, and um, that's led me to actually building a, a website which um, called wafflefootyfacts.net, which has got a lot of data in it and started as a, as a swans thing for me, and then it turned into a waffle thing. So I thought I'll put my passion into something useful and, and get some information out there as well. Oh, and and it's absolutely fantastic, and we'll talk about that in just a little, just a little bit. So, I I, I think you might have already said this. Can you remember the first Swans game that you ever went to? Yeah, you know the first game, I 
I recall going to a game in, in the mid 1980s with my uncle. Uh, I think it was a Swans and West Perth game. It was a record crowd at Bassendine, 22,000 odd people. Um, still is the record. It will be the record forever because you'd be lucky to get 2,000 at most games these days, unfortunately. Um, I don't remember much of that game. The first game I actually remember was the 1980 preliminary final, which was the first game I actually went with my dad. Um, we were sitting behind the goals um, at the Subiaco end, of, or Subiaco Oval at, at the um, the old three tier grandstand end. Um, Swans played East Perth. We beat them by uh, 13 goals, 78 points or something. It was the biggest scoring final in the Waffle history, and it still remains that we kicked 181 points in total. 13 goals we kicked in the third quarter. And a lot the things that I can remember is the third quarter, just watching the ball continually go over my head and we'd just kick goal after goal after goal. <laughs> and it, that that's the earliest memory I've got. Um, the first game I can remember. And the next week we played the grand final and got beaten by about the same amount by South Remandle. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great game to be the first one. And, um, yeah, I'll always remember that day. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. And my, my next question that I have here, and I love this again, because you said you have so much, you have so many years of history of watching this. And I always find this fascinating because it's like choosing your favorite child. Sometimes it's difficult uh, for some people, favorite player yeah. of the past that's played for Swans. And do you have a favorite player currently on the Swan on Swans list? Well, Am I restricted to just one? Because it's it's very it's yeah, very hard. I could probably give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I thought sort of thought about this, and I think breaking it down over the decades. But if I was to give you probably my top three favorite players of the past, um, Leon Baker would probably be number one. Um, they called him the Premiership maker. He played. Um, in the 82 and 83 grand finals for Swans, then went over to Essendon and played in the 84 and 85 premierships for Essendon and it was one of their best players in those grand finals. Um, Phil Narkle, absolute superstar. Um, he was Sandover medalist in 1982, runner-up in 81 and again in 1991. He was absolutely sensational. He wore this big helmet. I'm not sure if you've heard of him or seen any footage of him. He wore this massive big helmet because of a lot of concussions. Skill, very skillful player. He played a bit in the VFL, but he had injuries and was never able to really do his, himself justice, I think, playing over there. Um, and if I was probably give my third one, would probably be Troy Eagle, um, another Indigenous player like Phil Narkle, and he's just electric player. He played a fair bit of, a bit of VFL, AFL with the West Coast Eagles as well. Just on his day, yeah, he was unstoppable, um, particularly later in his career, um, playing full forward. He kicked a lot of goals. I think one year against Peel, he kicked 12 goals in one game, 10 and 8. So he kicked 20, 30, what's that, 30 odd goals in three games against Peel in, in Peel's first year. Welcome to the league. Um, and probably my current one would be um, probably Tony Knott. Um, he played 279 games for Swans. He started in 2008, still going. He's played the second most games now for Swans. Unfortunately, he missed out the 2010 Premiership. He was probably the last player cut I think before the before the squad was announced and then go on and play over 200 um, or just under 200 games I think it was over actually I can't remember now I've made straight without missing and he did his knee um, in around about around um, 15 or 16 this season um, and he's going to be out for about 12 months and he's hopefully going to be able to come back for the end of the season um, but he's just it's, as a tall player tall and skinny would mark the ball he could outmark four or five blokes great hands good kick um, and just, yeah, just a really good player. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's great. And again, it's, as you said, you, you proved it. There are three players right off the top of your head that you can think of. And again, it's when you have so much history, it's hard, it's hard to, and again, a decades thing. So absolutely love it. So love hearing the, the stories of some of the great players that may have never donned an AFL Guernsey, but have, have that history behind them. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah. let's, let's have some fun here. Let's, let's make you smile a little bit. Most memorable <laughs> moment as a Swan supporter. Oh, wow. Um, just if you want to YouTube, the 2010 Waffle Grand Final, um, particularly the last 10 minutes, and you'll see why this is my favourite memory. <laughs> um, this was a game, um, you know, Swans and Claremont were, again, probably the two best teams that year. Claremont lost two games for the year and drew one. One of those losses against us. The draw was against us. We only lost four games for the year. Everyone thought Claremont would win by miles the Grand Final. The second semi-final, they smashed us by 11, 10, 11 goals. Um, we go on to win the grand final by one point. Andrew Cracker, an absolute superstar, son of the legendary Jim Cracker of Claremont fame. Um, so kid of a Claremont player would destroy them in a grand final with 43 disposals, four goals. Stephen Cornelio, um, GWS captain, I think he's still the captain, 16-year-old, playing his fifth waffle game, kicks four goals, was second best on the ground. Um, the game was, no, I don't think the margin was more than 10 points the whole game. It was up and down, up and down, up and down the whole way through. The last quarter went for something like 38 minutes. It just seemed to go on and on forever. Um, and I probably heard the last 10 minutes of that game and the commentary, well, 50 times, and it still puts hair on the back of my neck. It's just amazing. So that's easily my best memory. Um, yeah. Fantastic. I will, I will definitely, I will definitely look that up for sure. It sounds, sounds like an absolutely, absolutely fantastic thing to check an eye on. So let's, let's, let's go to present a little bit. We're, we're, we're hitting off mm -hmm. season. So I, I thought I'd go through it and I almost forgot to do this. forgot to look it up because I never want to ask a question where I might not like the answer that I get. So thoughts on last year's Swans team. If I saw correctly, they had a winning record, but just fell short of making the waffle, making the waffle finals. So kind of thoughts on yeah. last year. Are you seeing some positives going through the year? Kind of how, how, what were your thoughts on last year? Yeah, it was a bit of a strange year last year. Um, uh, result wise, we won all but one game at home. We lost our first home game. We won every other home game for the year. And we won, I think our second away game. And that was it. And we lost every other away game. So we were good at home, absolutely terrible away. Uh, did manage to win a few close games, lose a few close games. Um, most of the games in the first part of the year were decided by less than a couple of goals. Um, I think we did pretty well with the side. We again, pretty had, had a pretty young side. Probably our best midfielder was injured in the first semifinal the previous year. So we actually went one step backwards um, or the elimination final, I think it was actually. Um, we lost that game, um, lost our best midfielder, so we didn't have him during the season. Um, had a good couple of young kids that come through and played a few games out of the Colts, who both got drafted, Elijah Hewitt and Darcy Jones. Um, yeah, it was a, a probably a year that I expected them to finish around where they finished. So for me, um, mid-table was what my expectations were. 10-8 and ten and eight record, so um, yeah, as you said, a winning record, which is better than a losing record. Um, we had an outside chance of making the finals in the last game of the year, um, but we played Peel Thunder. Um, as you probably know, they're the Fremantle Dockers uh, reserve side, um, and their team was loaded with players, you know, experienced AFL players that were playing for Fremantle because they had a very strong side. 
Um, not not of injuries, unlike the Eagles, they had a lot of who had a lot of injuries last year, and their waffle side was was rubbish. <laughs> to say it nicely, just about um, as good as their but, yeah. AFL side. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It wasn't a good year for Eagles last year, um, and then we got pumped by ninety odd points, and yeah, we went out pretty meekly. That was the, probably the most disappointing part of the season because the rest of the year. Bar, I think, one other game against Eastern Manor, we were in every game. You know, we could have easily have won 15 games for the year. Um, but, you know, hopefully that becomes an experience thing for the for the younger players, and this year we can get over the line on those close games. Yeah, but he's a cruel sport at times. It really, really mm. is. So uh, as as I discussed with the West, with the West Perth gentleman, and I know, and I realized this, is that with, with State League footy, it's a lot different. It's not a draft. It's all that. So the offseason really doesn't have some of the fireworks that some people would say. So have have, have there been any moves by Swans in this offseason? Um, and, and, and if so, I mean, is there any positives or, or were there any losses? Kind of what's your offseason look? Ha, has it looked like so far? Yeah, I'm trying to keep a touch on what's going on. Um, it doesn't look like we've really lost anyone, which is good. Um, I think that we had a couple of Victorian recruits that were – potentially going to be leaving the club, but from all reports, they're still there, which is great. Um, we have got um, Frank Anderson back. So he was uh, the guy that got injured in the finals the previous year. So he's done a year out with a knee reconstruction. He's back, which is great. Um, we do, as I mentioned, lose Tony Knott from injury, um, probably for the first half of the year at least before he comes back. Um, and the two young kids that got drafted, I mentioned earlier, Elijah Hewitt and Darcy Jones. Um, I think they're the only outs. From an ins, um, we got um, Jesse Glass-McCasker back from um, over east. So he was a Swans player, got drafted by Carlton a few years back, came back for a year after he got delisted and then went back over to Victoria. He's come back again. Um, so that's good. And then I think we've picked up um, the Geelong VFL captain. Um, his name escapes me at the moment. McLaughlin, I think it is. Um mm-hmm. And I think there's maybe one or two others that we may be getting back, but not not a huge recruitment um, phase this year for Swans when you compare to some of the other clubs. But I think we've got enough enough depth there with the young kids coming through that um, we should be good. All righty. So we'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll let you have a little bit of fun. I know it's on paper. Uh, again, footy is very cruel and very odd. So, and I don't like always saying this, and I, I really need to change my writing when I originally wrote this. Is do you have any expectations for next year? Are your thoughts of do you think the team makes progression? And you're you're in a chance for the finals, or, or are you one of those that you go in always optimistic? We can make the finals. I know we can. Kind of, kind of. What are your thoughts going into next year? Well, I love to say we're going to win the premiership, but. I've only seen five in my lifetime, so that's probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, I think we'd probably be in a similar position to this year, like fighting for the lower spots in the finals. Um, but the waffle seems to be getting, you know, a lot more tighter. Like last year was a pretty even competition. Um, a lot of the clubs around us have recruited very well. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough year. We've also got a new coach in the last year, our coach, um, didn't have his contract renewed. So we've got an, uh, an untried coach coming in um, who actually did a couple of games last year when our coach was out with COVID protocols. Um, and I think we had a good win under him um, in one of those games. Um, so you have a new coach. How, how's that going to go? Not sure. Um, I love us for make the finals and I think we can, um, but you know, anything above a, a final space will be a bonus, I think for this year. 
Awesome. Awesome. So before, before we move on to any more of the questions, you, you've brought it up a couple of times. So I think you should really talk about this. I, I finally got a chance to check out your website. I know we, we went back and forth on the messages and you told me about your website. So I checked it out and it is fantastic. I think it's an incredible data thing. Again, it's a little overwhelming when you first hop into it, but it's really, really cool. So tell us just a little bit about your website, what you do and, and what should people expect when they take when they take a look at it? Yeah, thanks for that, Donnie. Yeah, so um, yeah, so my website is uh, wafflefootyfacts.net, so wafllfootyfacts.net. Um, it basically came about because I was getting statistics for, for Swans and I thought, oh, well, let's do it for the rest of the league. And then I had all this data and I thought, well, what's the point of me having it? You know, there's AFL tables. I'm not sure if you've seen that website. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of others for the AFL. We couldn't see anything for the Waffle. The own Waffle website was very limited. And I thought, well, I've got this information. I don't know anything about websites. I'll have a chat to a mate at work. Um, and we got together and, and built the website and now I maintain it myself. Um, so basically it's got every single match score from the very first game in 1885. Um, I think I've got quarter um, quarter by quarter scores for all but 10 games since 1898. Um, I've got player data for every club going back to the early 30s. Um, I've had a lot of help. So... Um, a couple of the official um, WA footy historians, Steve Davies and Greg Wardle-Johnson, have helped me significantly. Um, Brad Willie, who's a Swans historian, has helped me. Um, Barry Buttsworth, who's a Claremont historian. So I've had a few people that have helped me with some of the data. Um, and I've been able to just chuck in as much as I can. Um, is stats for everything. You want to know who won a game between someone and someone else, how many times they've beaten other teams, who's had the most kicks in a game, the most goals kicked in a game a season, around, <laughs> all those sort of things. Is Like you said, um, it can be a bit overwhelming when you first jump on there. Um, hopefully people can find what they want. I've got a search uh, function in there. Um, but I'm continually adding more data. I've just spent the last week getting player records for every game from 1929 and 1930, which will be uploaded to my website probably uh, within the next week. Um, so yeah, continually adding data to it, um, maintaining the, the stats game by game, season by season. Um, yeah, there's just lots of stuff in there. If you like stats and you want to learn a bit about the waffle, jump in there and go nuts. I wouldn't spend five minutes in there because you're not going to get much. Probably give yourself a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent, I spent 10 minutes on it during some downtime at work. And I just, I literally, I went through. I think it was last season and I just went through, it had every single result, how it was. It was, I was like, wow, this is, this is, whoa, this is crazy. Like in a, in a good way. Like, I mean it completely yeah. in a positive way. Like it was so cool to have literally, you could see every game who won it, what was the final score, where it was absolutely fantastic. So I will definitely be keeping an eye on it again. As, as, as we went back and forth in our instant message, I plan on keeping track of the waffle a lot more this year, especially now that I, 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 I with being able to talk with fans and be able to have a little bit more of a connection with it. So definitely going to keep an eye on the waffle this year. So we'll jump back into some of my questions. I mean, towards the end, I have some fun ones that I really want to do. So I, I'm going to let you have a little bit of fun as a Swan supporter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to install you as the Swan districts footy manager. And you can be, you can, you get a chance to pillage. You can bring one player from another waffle side to join Swans for this next season. Who's that one player and why? Yeah, good question. Um, probably the one player who 
I would have in our team. And the one reason for it is because he kills us every single time we play them. Um, and that's Jai Bolton from Claremont. Um, he's a multiple Sandover medalist winner, uh, Simpson medalist winner. He averages 36 and a half disposals against Swans, which is just crazy. I think the last time he played, he had 50 or something. It's just stupid amounts. He gets the best best player on ground pretty much every time we play him. We don't always lose to them. We do beat them every now and then, which is good as well. But he's just phenomenal. He gets so much of the ball. Um, and yeah, if you take a player who gets that many disposals against you away and put them in your team, um, you know it's only going to be a, a benefit for your team. So he'd, he'd be my selection for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So any, anybody that listens to this podcast, most of them know I'm a huge advocate for women's footy. I do AFLW round reviews. And again, as I'm trying, as I'm trying to get into some of the state sides to be able to see some of the women. So I got to ask this, do you support, do you keep an eye on the women's um, Swans district team? And if so, what were your thoughts on their season last year? Yeah, so keep an eye on their scores. Um, Swans do a great job um, as a community club. Um, they have a lot of, um, you know, they have a very strong connection with the the women's team. Um, and also we have a team in the um, All Abilities League as well, um, which play sometimes as curtain raises to the, the Swans games. Um, so I'll probably watch one or two of the girls' games or the women's games this season. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a, an avid supporter of the of the girls' team, but um, if, you know, I'm on board on a weekend and their game's on streamed on, te- on the internet, I'll jump on and watch a little bit of it. Um, the Swans, Swans women's team has been historically very successful, um, probably more successful than the, than the boys' team, um, generally playing the finals. Uh, last year, um, didn't go quite as well. I think they got to the preliminary final and lost the preliminary final. Um, but, um, yeah, they're generally a very good side. Um, to say, yeah, they'll definitely take an interest in their results, put it that way. Any, any team that's wearing the Swan District's jumper and Swan District's name, I'm, I'm quite keen to see how they go. There's even a um, a wheelchair league that Waffle started a couple of years ago with a couple of teams in and Swans are in that as well. And I wouldn't know who these people were that playing in the team, but, you know, I see their results and they got to the grand finals and great. <laughs> awesome. awesome. So, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. And I've heard about Sw- uh, of uh, uh, wheelchair footy uh, before, so mm. I, I'd be interested to watch. It'd be fantastic to see how that goes. So yeah. already, we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We talked our state side. We're going to do a little bit of AFL just because, again, it, it's one of the things I know a little bit more. Are, are you an AFL supporter? And if so, do you have a side in it? And if so, why? Well, this is a good question, and I always get looked at strangely when I give this answer. Um, so I'm a bit of a fence hitter, right? So originally, pre-AFL, pre the West Coast Eagles, I was a Hawthorne supporter. Um, I was a Hawthorne supporter because I played football for the Naranda Hawks, who obviously wore Hawthorne jumpers, brown and gold. Um, so when the Eagles came in, being a proud West Aussie, uh, my allegiances sort of swayed from Hawthorne to West Coast, particularly from 1992 onwards. 1991 grand final Hawthorne played the Eagles. I really didn't know who I was barracking for. Um, and I remember when Hawthorne won, I put my Hawthorne pennant out the front of my house. Um, <laughs> but then 82, the Eagles won and I pretty much swung over to the Eagles. Um, the Dockers came in in 95. Um, and so I followed, I, you'd probably call myself an Eagles and Dockers supporter. But if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably say the Eagles. Um, but, you know, I, I followed players more, more so. So, you know, I watch all the Swan Districts kids when they get drafted and go play for their teams, and I and I watch the players more so than the, the teams. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, probably probably slightly favoured the Eagles, but 
Not a not a problem. Probably not last year. Last year I was a Docker supporter. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably not the you're probably not the only one. The way last year kind of went, so one hundred percent understand. So and and I'm betting again AFLW. Do you keep an eye on on either the Eagles or the Dockers for when it comes to the W? Um, I've got a slight interest um, because, funnily enough, I played football with both their coaches. Um, so Michael Pryor, the coach of the West Coast Eagles team, I played, I went to school with him and played a lot of junior footy and, and a bit of cricket with him actually. Um, and Trent Cooper, who's no longer the Dockers coach, he also played for Naranda. So, um, but he was a year younger than me, but did play a couple of games, um, playing up into, into our age group. So, um, only really for that reason. Um, I don't think the AFL have done the right thing in the women's league to really prosper and, and push that as best they could. I think there's too many teams in the AFL for starters, but I think definitely in the women's league, um, the, the the talent is spread too thin. Um, I think if they'd stuck to half a dozen teams for a, a lot longer and had, you know, teams with 15 good quality women playing uh, compared to there's probably four or five maybe in the team that are at that standard, I think at the moment. Um, so I don't, I don't follow it too much because I just don't think the standard is there. Um, it's improving year on year. Um, and that's going to happen because more and more girls are starting at a younger age. I know when they first started the AFL women's, they were getting girls out of netball and out of basketball and out of athletics and they didn't have the skills. So, you know, with boys playing footy, they're kicking a footy at, I remember kicking a footy at five or six years old, four, probably four years old, um, it's happening more with girls now, which is great. Um, so I think in 10 years, it's going to be probably in a lot better position. I like to compare it with the women's cricket. Uh, I'm not sure how much you're into cricket at all, Donnie, but the, the women's women's cricket um, is probably 20, 30 years ahead of footy. Um, and the skills are a hell of a lot better because they've grown up with it a bit more. But I think footy will get there. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. I think it's just one of those that the, 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 ro- the pathways to – upper age and eventually to AFL. I think, I, I think they're there now where they weren't eight, yeah, 10 years right. ago. And, and you look at it, how many, when AFLW started in 2017, how many women's teams blew up after that? Like, I remember seeing a statistic, there was like astronomical, like 300% growth in Victoria, 250% mm-hmm. growth in South Australia. There was like 300% growth in Queensland. It was ridiculous. So I I completely agree. I think the talent is thin, but I think it's one of those that they're just trying to, it's going to have to mature. I I think there's some expectations on the league right now that I think are a little bit far-fetched because Mm -hmm. we're, we're throwing on the men's game, which has 150 years of professional yeah. again we'll kind of asterisk yeah, that because i know yeah, yeah. that yeah. for the longest time they weren't professional but there, there's so much more years of experience in the men's game than there is the women's so it's one of those where it's like you can you can kind of you can kind of see why it's going to take a little bit so it's just got to have some patience but 100 agree with you on that one so so yeah. i gotta ask this as a as a wa guy i'm very interested on your answer on this is that 2020 2021 the grand final for the afl saw itself outside of victorian soil for the first time and i was surprised to hear victorian media start talking about should the afl look into maybe making the grand final a traveling grand final i know about the mcc contract i know people in the comment section are gonna lose their mind 50-year contract isn't i understand (laughs) this is pie in the sky people in your opinion would you like 
a traveling grand final or do you kind of like the tradition of at the MCG, the biggest stadium in the country? Yeah, um, well, I'm all for tradition. Um, I do think the MCG is probably the place for it. Um, I probably don't like it that it is there because it is an AFL, it's a national competition. I think of the, the American sports, the finals are not always played in the same place every year. Um, I went to the grand final at Optus Stadium and that was awesome. You know, the, they put on a great show there. Um, and maybe it's something they could do, probably not every year, but maybe every four or five years, share it around a little bit. Um, I don't think the well, Victoria don't own Australian rules football as much as um, some of them think they may. Um, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an Australian competition. It's a national competition. Um, yes, the MCG is a bigger stadium. And from a financial perspective, there shouldn't, shouldn't be played anywhere else. Um, but I think, you know, the odd grand final here and there, um, you know, I don't think it would hurt the, the game at all. Um, I said, I love the, I love the fact that I could, could go to a grand final 15 kilometers from my house instead of having to find, you know, three grand to fly over to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> fly over to Melbourne for a weekend um, to watch a game of footy, which I did in 2016, um, which is again, an awesome experience. So there were two different experiences, but two I would yeah, cherish the rest of my life. Yeah, like and again, it's it's one of those you can definitely tell when I when I've interviewed Victorians, they're they're very adamant about what they want. So it's, and I can tell the <laughs> ones that are South Australian, Queensland, New South Wales. Sometimes you get a different answer. So it's it's always fascinating. Yeah. And I've had ones that are at, that are not Victorian that have said that they prefer the MCG because of the attendance. Again, everybody has yeah. their own personal opinion. Like I said, that MCC contract, I just I have a feeling it's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. But oh, I don't think so. It's yeah. it's it was very fascinating to hear the Victorian media were the ones that originally kind of brought up the topic. So we'll, we'll stay in the AFL for this last question, just because I'm fascinated by this is that the AFL decided to kind of take an idea from the NRL, their magic round, which they're going to call gather round. Again, I kind of, whether the name is adequate or not, we won't, we won't get into that, but all nine games, in the AFL are going to be in South Australia this year. What are your thoughts on that? And, would you have any interest in going and seeing some of the games in SA? Yeah, I think it's a great idea actually to, to have it all in, in one location. Um, I'm not convinced they've done it right though this time around um, with the fixturing. Um, for example, Fremantle were playing Gold Coast or something at Friday at a two o'clock mm -hmm. or something, Perth time. But no one's going to watch it. No one will go, right? Who's going to? there's not going to be many people that are going to go to watch that game in, in Adelaide. It's been played at a suburban ground, like a Santafel ground that could, I don't know how many it can hold, but I, I don't think it's going to be a massive crowd there. Won't be anyone able to watch it in Perth unless they take time off work. Um, that's disappointing side of it. Um, but I think the idea and the premise is great um, to have it in one location. Um, I'm not against it all being in Victoria. You know, why not have all the teams there once a season? I think the, um, the local NBL, the basketball league here, did something similar last year during COVID and had all the teams based in Melbourne and played for a month. And, you know, it was it was great, I think. Um, great idea. Um, and I think, yeah, having it in Perth would be great. I, I won't be going to Adelaide to watch it. Um, I don't tend to watch a lot of AFL games. I'd rather watch it on telly, um, mainly for the cost of it as well. Um, that's one of the advantages of why I prefer the waffle over the AFL it doesn't actually, well, I get a media pass, which is great. Thanks to the footy commission, but for my website, but um, you know, paying 20 bucks to go to a waffle game compared to 80 bucks to go to a, um, to a, to an AFL game. It's 
yeah, and you can get on the ground and you can talk to the players, you can hear the coaches. Um, so yeah, so I, I think uh, gather around, great idea. Um, yeah, and why not? Why not keep doing it? Yeah, very, very interesting. All right. So as I tell most people, I have not been to Australia. It is on my bucket list. So I'm doing a little bit of research. So when I get over there, I know the best thing to do. So I've got two questions following this. I'm an American. Americans love our food at our sporting events. So I got to ask, what's your go-to food when you go to the footy? Well, my dad's going to love this. This is an advertisement for his homemade um, (laughs) sandwich making abilities. Um, He makes the best rolls. So we have footy rolls. Um, one of the things that we do every week is dad makes me probably a foot long um, roll with ham, cheese, all the salad, everything. Um, and this thing we usually have, I think it was a 12 inch. We've now gone down to probably a, a couple of six inch ones. We now cut one in half because we find ourselves too full and they're the best things. That's all I ever eat at the footy. Um, if for some reason my dad's not at the footy, I'll starve. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as I've, I've heard, I've heard that it again, it, it, I, as a, I had a conversation earlier and it's like the, the food at the sporting events is not, don't go for it for quality. You're, you're wasting no. your time doing that. You're going for something that's cheap, usually inexpensive and usually very bad for you, but very, very delicious most of the time. So it's kind of one of those, you don't go, you don't go to sporting yeah. events for the food quality. You go there just to, to have something quick to eat at the game for sure. Yep. So the other Correct. question I have yep. is, is just because I want to be sure I get the most ideal seat, the best seat to be able to watch the footy again. It's a big ground. So I want to make sure I got the best, best seat, your most ideal place to sit when you watch the footy. Yeah, definitely um, on the wing um, is the best spot. You get um, great views of both ends. Um, some people, and I like sitting behind the goals, but still, you can't see the other end of the ground half the time. So I don't know like, why you like sitting there. But for me, it's definitely on the wing, um, sort of wing between the half forward, between the 50-metre lines is is the ultimate spot. Um, I've got a great spot at Bassendine Oval um, in the Billy Walker stand right in the middle there. So whenever you get across to WA, Donny, I'll have my dad to make you a sandwich or a nice roll. Um, and you can come and sit with us on the, in a walker stand in the middle of the ground, have a great view. <laughs> Sounds like fun. I will, I will definitely, I, I'm, I'm chalking, I'm chalking up States here. I think, I've, I think I've got an invite to Queensland. I've got an invite to New South Wales since I'm a Swan supporter. So I've got many there. Victoria, I've got a few. I think I've got SA covered now. And with you, I've got a WA and probably a couple of them. So all I need is all I need is Tassie in in, in the Northern Territory. And I've got one in each of the Aussie states. So <laughs> brilliant. Sounds like a great holiday, mate. You guys start oh, booking the trip. <laughs> if it were only if it were only a little bit cheaper, but the only thing the only yeah. thing that I got there is like I'm if I do it, I'm gonna have to go and I'm gonna have to definitely save up because either that or I'm gonna have to make sure I can crash on a few couches when when I go for sure. So all right, the last question question that i have and i and i i love this question because again everybody has different ones on this one favorite game of footy you have ever seen live on the telly at the ground doesn't matter favorite game of footy you've ever seen i think you probably will say a certain one that you probably already talked about yep. but favorite yep. game of yep. footy yes yeah, so that would be my favorite one i have already talked about that 2010 grand final but I'll give you a couple of others, um, okay. if you can spare me. That the state of origin games in the early eighties. So before the VF before the um the VFL expanded with the Eagles, probably the eighty three, eighty four, and eighty six state of origin games between WA and, and Victoria. Um, they would probably have to be 
you know, right up there are the best games of footy I've ever seen. Um, again, the margins were less than a goal in all three games. WA winning, again, which always makes the best game when your team wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the players that played in those games are oh, just absolutely amazing. You know, from Gary Ablett and Gary Pert, Paul Ruse, Michael Tuck, Dermot Brereton, all those players for Victoria. And then we had the Crackers and Glenn Dinning and Taylor and Sidebottoms and Baker. And <laughs> the names just roll off the tongue and, oh, yeah, that would be definitely right up there with a with a 2010 Waffle Grand Final. Yeah, as the, as the best games I've seen. Those those are the games you can close your eyes and you can see them. I absolutely love those. Fantastic. Yep. Well, Rick, I, that that's all that I have on my side. This has been an absolutely fantastic chat. I mean, again, I, I kind of got lucky. I found you on Twitter with with the WA Footy Facts Twitter account. We we started chit chatting. Absolutely love it. I think the website. This has kind of been like a perfect little thing. I can not only get a chat, but I get a website that I can keep track of everything. So I genuinely appreciate having you on the podcast. It's been an absolute blast. Brilliant. No, thanks for having me, Donnie. I appreciate it. And uh, it's awesome that, you know, a guy over there in the U.S. has got this such interest in Aussie rules and particularly the state leagues and, and wanting to talk to people like myself who are supporting, um, you know, not the top tier leagues. Uh, it's great that you've got the interest. And um, if you're looking for a team, Swans and Swans goes well, mate. I definitely interesting. I know that we, I know that the, <laughs> the, the Sydney Swans have actually found WA to be quite a fertile ground for some of their draft picks. I mm. know Chad Warner, Chad yep. Warner came from there, Logan McDonald. We've had a few from WA that I think have had pretty good careers in the red and white. So yep. I definitely will keep an eye on the WA because I know it's been Kinnear beats and tends to like to grab some, some diamonds in the rough out of that league. So I'm definitely going to have to keep an eye on that for sure. And, and, and the Swans, yep connection kind of a nice little thing but i've got a few friends that i know i know a south frio <laughs> fan that i know would probably get on me if i do so i may have to be <laughs> switzerland when it comes to picking a team i may just enjoy the waffle for sure so ladies and gentlemen that is it. going to do it for our episode again another absolutely fantastic chat keep an eye out i've got more coming i've got sample chats i've got waffle chats more afl chats i'm still looking for vfl chats so if you know anybody that is a VFL fan of the non-connected ones, the Cobergs, the Werribees, the ones that are not connected to the AFL, have them reach out. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation to get us all the way to March when the AFL season returns and some of the state leagues get going. We'll be back very, very soon with another episode, and we will see you again very soon.